Well, if you have a Bible with you, find Matthew chapter 11. We are in part three of a series called Come and See. And so I've been enjoying this journey so far as we're looking at the words of Jesus as he communicates some really important things to his listeners. Uh, there's a reason why we're doing this series, and it's very on purpose because we really want and we strive with all that we are to point you back to the person of Jesus Christ as the one to, to mimic, to imitate, and to follow. And so this series is on purpose because there's not a single person in the room who doesn't struggle with one or all of the topics that we're going to cover in this very short six-week series. And so the purpose is simply to direct your gaze, focus, heart, and mind on the person of Jesus. In week one, we learned that we need to respond to the invitation from the one who cares about us the most, that, that we need to come to Jesus because he is the answer, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to come to Jesus before we go to anything else. And we have to watch out for invitations from other voices. And so we talked about how that first phrase in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, come to me. And, and what that could be translated in the Greek as is Jesus inviting us to come to him. That there is an invitation from our Savior to come and see, to come and know, to come and experience. In week two, last week, we learned that we were made to come to Jesus. And we can come to Jesus because he understands us. We can also come to Jesus with everything. And we can do that when we don't feel like it or when we're struggling because his spirit is available to us and he gives us what we need to do what he's called us to do. Last week's main point was discussing the things that make us weary and, and burdened and how God expects his people to respond to them. So today we're going to focus on the last part of verse 28 and ask how does Jesus give us rest from those things? So first we're going to read our, our key verses together uh, in your Bibles, on your device, or on the screen, whichever you choose to follow. Jesus is saying, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now this word for rest in the Greek, it, it has a pretty broad context. It can mean to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect their strength. Or it can also mean to give soul rest, refresh, take rest and keep quiet, or it's a calm and patient expectation. And so it has a lot of areas where it can be utilized and used. But right now, I'm sure we're all thinking maybe the same thing about rest. And the problem with rest is this. It's how can we expect to have rest when we're in the darkest of times? How do we find rest? Is there a way to pursue it is can we enjoy rest from God while we're still in the middle of some type of trial or, or turmoil in our, in our world? How do, we, how do we rest when the problem isn't gone? When the conflict 
is still ongoing or while the diagnosis is still looming over us? How can we possibly recover and rest and feel rejuvenated like the meaning of this word in this promise that Jesus is giving us when we're still grieving, when we can't sleep, when we've said goodbye to another baby, when we haven't found that, that new job, and when we still can't seem to see the light on the other side of the trauma. What do we do with those questions and those feelings? Because they're real and we all experience them and Jesus is not looking for some deep theological response verbally out of us all the time. We may know what the biblical answer to some of those questions are, but we are still humans. We still struggle with our sin nature. The world is still spinning and we don't always get it right just because we have a Bible and we know what it says. We still struggle. We still have hard times. So I want you to look at verse 28 again. And we're going to come back to some of those questions in a little bit. But he says, come to me, all who labor or are weary and are heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I want you to remember for just a second, the last part of this verse is where we're going to live this morning. I will give you rest, Jesus says. Now, this just, this just isn't a principle it's a promise from our Savior to us, his body of believers. It applied to the disciples in the New Testament, and it applies to us in 2022 as well. I want to remind you of that Greek word. I want to read these definitions again. It's, it means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect their strength, or to give rest, refresh, and take rest and keep quiet, or have a calm and patient expectation. Jesus, he, uh, he made this a priority in his life. How did he do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways that Jesus did this. He, during times of, of rest, he would incorporate silence and solitude and prayer, just some very focused time with his father. And this was a discipline of his. Jesus would intentionally get away from all of the noise regularly. In Luke chapter 5, it says that he would withdraw to desolate places. Jesus felt the same emotions that, that we do. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that, that the crowds would get so large that there would be so much pressure on Jesus that he would leave the crowds and he would even float out on the bodies of water and just to be able to communicate with them. That's how many people wanted some of Jesus' time. He was doing the, the work that people wanted to see, they wanted to experience. He was, he, was, he was doing a lot of really good things and some of the onlookers became believers and some of them were his greatest enemies and detractors. The Pharisees were, they were always after Jesus. They were always talking about him. They were always slandering and pitting people against him, trying to, trying to trip him up. He knew all of the distractions. He was always surrounded by people and voices and opinions and perspectives and requests and complaints. And while he didn't look at these people and scenarios really as problems, essentially they were in the way they have an effect on our physical and emotional well-being. 
Jesus also knew what he needed to get through these times. He knew what was required. And since Jesus is truly our example in, in all things, we should look to his life and we should see how he handled things. I think it's really important for us to pause so many times when we're making a big decision or we're feeling something really deep inside to just pause and think, really, how would Jesus respond in this moment? But see, it's not always bad things that distract us, that make us feel weary, that, that, that would be considered a burden. It's not always negative things. And it wasn't for Jesus either. You see, Jesus, even during all these times where the crowds were so large and he was doing all of this work, he was, he was about the work of his father. He was about eternal work. He was doing work that mattered and he was, he was faithful to serve and love people. He was healing the sick. He was causing the lame to walk. He was raising dead people back to life. I mean, he's doing some good things. And you see, by today's standards, Jesus was a, a fairly busy person. But it wasn't always problematic. He wasn't just escaping from, from hard times. He was doing the work of the Father, yet he consistently took time to be alone. In Matthew 14, it says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up into the mountain by himself. And when evening came, he was still alone. There are so many reasons why he needed this time away. One reason he would do this was to process emotions as well. That much like us, this is something that, that we should often replicate. After he heard that John the Baptist had died, Matthew writes in, in, in Matthew 14, now when Jesus heard this, the news of John the Baptist, he withdrew to a desolate place to be by himself. Jesus had emotions. Jesus felt things. He had a very human body to go with his divine nature. So he wasn't just seeking rest from hard times and emotional times. He was doing the work of the Father. But we, we, we also see he was doing the work of the ministry in Mark chapter 6. And he said to the disciples, and he set an example for the disciples. He says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and many were going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. They were working so hard that they didn't even have time to, to, to have a lunch break. I mean, they, they, were, they were busy doing the work. And Jesus recognizes and he models for them the important practice of setting aside time to rest. <coughs> now, some of you know this feeling. You completely understand what I'm saying this morning. Some of you women know because you're a mom and you have young kids and you haven't had a meal to yourself that's hot in years. Like, you've, you've, like the microwave is your best friend because it's just always in there. I remember when Brittany was, when our children were younger, usually the coffee had like three reheats before she actually drank it. And that's just life. It's just normal stuff. 
So Jesus led his disciples in this practice of finding a place and a time to rest as well. And he wants to teach us to do the same. Jesus would also withdraw from crowds when he was going through deep emotional despair and pain. And when he was preparing for suffering. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 14, it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, although Jesus was God in the flesh, he still needed time away from all the things and all the noise. He knew that in order to fully, to be fully submitted to the Father, he needed to be able to hear his voice. And in order for you and for, for, for our church, for this body of believers to hear his voice, we need to be alone as well. Jesus needed to be alone and prayer was almost always a part of this time. It was during this, these times that he would he would be able to hear from his father and get perspective on what came next and what was needed and how he was being directed to respond. He knew what he needed to do, yet he sought quiet time with his father. And at the end of those moments, he found peace by surrendering to what he was called to do. You see, the situation was not resolved in many of these situations that Jesus found himself in. Yet he remained unshaken because his discipline of silence and solitude and prayer and quiet time with the Father was a priority. Now, that's, that's, I, this, is, this is fun to preach and it's nice to hear, but it's not easy to do. And we all know that. And some of us will willingly admit that. Some of us are in denial. We just don't want to admit like, oh, not me. I am spiritual. I don't have any struggles. And I would never admit that I did. That's so many of us. You see, Jesus, he modeled something very different. He modeled a dependence on the Father. And we should do the same. Jesus had some really great habits and disciplines, but we're not him. We, we, I mean, how could we possibly respond like him while we're experiencing problems and burdens? I mean, I know we're called to observe his example and imitate his heart. Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2 says to be imitators of God as his beloved children. We are to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering back to him. But that's a whole different story when we're experiencing the trials that I mentioned earlier in this message. The, 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 the heartache and the burdens and the wearisome things that we encounter in this life like we talked about last Sunday. It is easy to talk about it. It's not so easy to do. So, what, is this, what does this mean for us today? What can we do? And, and here's what I know. When we do our part to come to him like he tells us to, he will do his part to give us rest. 
That's his promise to us. That's, that's his promise over and over again throughout our New Testament. That is the promise of God. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. When we do our part to respond to his invitation to come to him, he will do his part to give us what he promises to give us. But there's something that many of us need to be reminded of this morning. And that's we need to come to Jesus because his rest is available in our world, it doesn't seem like anyone is available. I mean, you think about it, everyone is booked, everyone's calendar is packed full, but not so with Jesus. He offers something that others can't. He says, come to me if you labor or if you're wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus promises to give us the rest that we need. And much like his spirit being available to us, like we talked about last week, after all, he, he lives inside of us and his power is accessible in order to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. But his rest is available to us as well, even in turmoil. And sometimes this rest is just in the form of sleep. And some of us need to be better about that. Sometimes it's in the form of a, a peaceful dip, disposition. Sometimes it comes in moments of reprieve while we're just simply sitting in God's presence. I referenced this earlier, but Jesus taught his disciples in Mark 6 that he says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. These verses really hit home for me because this is real life. This is the world that I live in. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of work to do. And Jesus says, let's get away. Jesus is inviting us to get away with him, to rest. Jesus could see that they needed it. And they may have known it, but they didn't know how to deal with it. And so Jesus sets an example. And we have to be willing to believe that guarantee. That God would not promise something that he wasn't willing to give. He will give us rest. As long as we fulfill our end of the bargain, which leads me to the second thought, and that's come to Jesus, pursue his rest. There's a theme of personal responsibility that flows throughout our Bibles. That there's always a pursuit that must take place. We see it all throughout the New Testament churches where they are being encouraged and they're being challenged to pursue holiness, to be set apart from this world, from the things of this world. But we don't talk a lot about pursuing rest in the church. We, we talk a lot about the things we need to do. We don't talk about pursuing his rest, but his rest is available. But once again, there's a personal responsibility. We have to do our part. We're told to come to him, but we have to look for it. We have to seek it away, to seek it out. I mean, we do this through the word and through prayer. The rest will always be there. The rest will always be available, but God expects us to come to him, to look to him to rely on him for what only he knows that he can provide. You see, when we get to the place where we realize that 
when we realize that right off the bat, that we, we need him, we're ahead of the game. When you understand your dependence on Jesus, you're ahead of everyone else. Because so many people are trying to do it on them, their own. Now, they'll tell you to look to, he- to rest as a habit, as a discipline. Jesus would tell us to do the same. So come to Jesus. His rest is available. Come to Jesus. Pursue his rest. And then lastly, come to Jesus. Submit to his plan. I mean, this is the example that our Savior set for us. In Proverbs 19, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. This submission may be the most difficult part to accept. For so many of us, it's, we know it's available. We, we kind of pursue it, but we pursue it to just, just this far because then it requires us to submit to the plan. And when we submit to the plan is where the real work takes place. You see, I understand how to stand on this platform and preach truth to you, but I find it just as difficult to put into action as you do. I can tell you for, I could speak for hours on the importance of silence, solitude, prayer, and alone time with God, but I am right there with you as someone who, who knows that the rest is available, and I pursue it to a certain degree, but I choose sometimes to not submit to it. Submission is one of the hardest parts to accept in this process of receiving the promise of rest. And this goes back to those problems that I mentioned earlier. Turmoil, pain, hurt, hard times. I mean, how can we possibly experience this promise of rest when we're in the hardest of times? When I've been in my darkest begging God for rest, for peace, but my problems were still there when I opened my eyes, it was very hard to feel like I was at rest. It felt totally opposite from rest. And the question that I believe makes the most difference that helps us experience the most rest is this question. It's do I submit to this road that I'm called to walk on? Will you submit to this road that God has called you to walk on? Don't miss this. Ask yourself, do I submit to the journey my Jesus has seen fit to allow in my path right now? Those questions, which are in my Evernote file that I look at all the time, serve as a reminder that do I submit to this path that I've been called to walk on? When it hurts, when it seems dark, when it causes grief, when the plan doesn't go according to plan, do I submit to him in that season? Do I submit to him in that trial? Do I submit to him during this, this time in my life that I, 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 can't, I can't make sense of on a spreadsheet? Do I submit? Because when we do our part to come to him, he will do his part to give us rest. When we do our part, he will do his part. You'll never convince me that our rest isn't directly related to our surrender. 
to our willingness to accept what God has allowed. And I don't think that God's breaking his, his promise that if we come to him with ugly hearts that, that he won't come through for us because he gets our human emotions. He knows what we're thinking anyways before we let the things come out of our mouth. But it's on us. It's that we're not actually coming to him most of the time. And it's when we're in that mindset, we're, we're coming against him. And that's a place that I don't want to be. I don't want to be coming against my Savior. We can cry. We can ask questions. We can even be angry for a time. We can grieve. We can pray, God, please end this struggle. But when we accept and we submit and we surrender to God's plan, knowing he can see the things that we can't see, knowing that he's bigger than we thought, when we come to him, even in a heart of pain, we can expect the promise of rest to be fulfilled by our gentle shepherd. He loves us, and he can be trusted with every aspect of our lives. And I know that to be true. And I need that reminder so often in my own heart and in my own mind. That's why I think this series is so timely. Because the world's not getting any easier. The world's not slowing down. And so we have to learn how to rely on our Savior during those seasons. While we live, as Paul would say, as aliens on this planet. You see, he loves us and he can be trusted. He may not have caused the hard things, but if they happen, then he has clearly seen fit to Romans 8.28 those things. That verse says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now, I said this in the first two weeks of this series, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. This requires humility. In order to submit, you have to humble yourself. And when we do that, he can bring us the rest that we need. We can trust that he is good. We can trust that he will do his part to give us rest when we do our part to come to him. So what will you do? Will you come to Jesus this morning? Do you believe that his rest is available to you? Do you, do you believe that, that he loves you and that he cares for you and that he's with you? Will you pursue his rest and will you submit to the plan? What will always be true is he will always come through with his plan in your life when you submit to it. Jesus modeled that when he says, not my will, but your will be done. He still endured the pain. He still went through the hardship. He still went to the cross. He was still beaten and he still died for the sins of the world, but he didn't want to, but he submitted to the plan of the Father. So will you? You see, true rest can only come when we've submitted to him. And true rest can come in the hardest of times. And when it comes to rest, we can trust God to keep his promise, and God's promise of rest can be trusted. So pursue it, and submit to it this morning.
And so for the Christian, that's what we have available to us all the time. His rest is just one moment away all the time. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. The rest that you need can only be found through Him. Jesus came to this earth to rescue sinners, to reach those who were far from Him. And so this morning, will you submit to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for you? Will you believe this morning that Jesus loved you enough to die for you and that he paid the price for your sin and that he rose from the dead victorious over sin, death, and the grave? Will you choose to believe? Will you come to Jesus? At the end of our service, we will have a deacon and, and their wife available on the north end of our facility. And they would love to pray with you this morning and answer any question that you may have about the gospel or Maybe you just, you just need someone to pray with you as you're walking through a dark time, as you're working through some really difficult seasons. And they would love to pray with you and pray with you and for you. And they would commit to do that throughout the week as well. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to gather together this morning and set aside some of the distractions of the day and the week and, and worship you. God, you have been so good to us. You've given us so much more than we deserve. And so, God, we just, we just need more of you. And so, God, I pray that as we read your truth, as we study Matthew chapter 11, and we're working through these three verses, they're packed full of so much power and truth for us. So, God, I pray that we would come to you with our wearied hearts and our burdened souls, and we would receive the rest that you've promised us. But we have to come to you. And you've invited us to come and see, to come and know, to come and experience. God, I pray for anyone in the room this morning that does not have that relationship with you. They do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that you are not their King. God, I pray that you would, that your Spirit would awaken them to the fact that they need you and they need you desperately. God, I pray that they would find that deacon at the end of the service or find me at the door and that they would, they would talk about their need for Jesus to save them and to give them a home in heaven. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.